Hello, White Sox fans, and welcome in to the 500th episode of Sox on Tap. It's Tony Marchese alongside megastar Steve. He's here. He's hashtag back from his travels this weekend. We'll talk a little bit about that tonight. Before we get into everything, thank you to everybody who's tuned into the show. Make sure you're subscribing to us on YouTube. That's youtube.com slash Sportsnet. Follow the show at Socks on Tap on Twitter. You can follow Steve at NWI underscore Steve, myself at Tony on Tap. This is episode 500. As I said, I can't believe we've made it this far. Uh, but uh, Steve, how are you doing tonight, my friend? Anthony, let me talk to you. 500 episodes of this wild ride that we call Socks on Tap. Ups, downs, couple two tree pops along the way. We're just having a lot of fun. Yeah. Yes, we are, Steve. And there, there's been ups, there's been downs, there's been 500 baseball, and we finally made it to 500 ourselves. So here we are. It's a very, very White Sox thing that we've got going on here, Steve. And weekend series, we actually won one. It felt like it's been quite a while since we've gotten a winning series to talk about and uh we take care of the boston red sox two out of three this weekend a lot of good some bad we'll touch on all of it i know you were out of town for some of this uh you were watching some baseball probably played of a, a different variety than the al central style um so i'm very curious for some observations from you i believe you were down in the nasty natty as they like to call it steve Let's get to Friday's ball game real quick here. The the big news out of this one was Tim Anderson drew himself back into the lineup, and it was in a rather peculiar way. I know it was his 30th birthday, but Steve, let's talk about hitting second and playing second, Tim Anderson. You know, a lot of people in the realm of White Sox Twitter very upset, saying that you can't move Tim Anderson down out of the leadoff spot. You can't move him off a shortstop. The defensive change looks like it's going to be a temporary thing. Pedro Grafol talking that he's going to be back at shortstop most likely tomorrow when the team kicks off a four-game set out on the West Coast against the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim of Orange County of California of the Pacific time zone. So, you know, that'll come to an end in short order. But, uh, Tim, you know, this is a very much of a transition for him and for this club right now. And it's kind of just leaving a lot of us in, in a position where we don't know what to expect going forward because the constant for this team since the start of the 2019 season was number seven at the top of the order playing shortstop. That has changed. And um, the dynamics around him and this team have changed a lot. And it's going to be fascinating to see what happens if he can get himself out of this offensive malaise that he's been in over the course of the last year and start being the player that we all have seen him be over the course of the last few years. Yeah, it's definitely just something to watch here, Steve. I I, I remember not too long ago, Pedro Grafol talking about how he was not going to move T.A. down out of the leadoff spot. A couple days later, you know, your favorite player on the White Sox, Andrew Benintendi, is in the, in the leadoff spot. Fucking noodle boy. And then, then he says the other day that, you know, don't read too much into this position change over to second base. He's dealing with the shoulder injury. You know, I think it came out somewhere that Rick Hahn didn't want him playing shortstop. 
I, that in and of itself, I started to read into maybe a little bit more. Rick Hahn didn't want him playing shortstop because of the injury. We'll see what happens if that's, you know, protecting trade assets or, or what this is down the road. But uh, I didn't really know that uh, Rick Hahn was getting involved in day-to-day lineup decisions. That was sort of interesting to me. Um, but Steve, could we see Tim Anderson shift over to second base more long-term with Elvis Andrews on the roster? Or do you think that that is not really going to be the case here? I find that to be highly unlikely personally. I feel like this is just a function of the shoulder issue that Tim is dealing with right now. Um, as presently constituted, I mean, Tim is still more valuable as a shortstop than he would be as a second baseman. I know the defensive issues and, and the miscues have been glaring at times this season, but we have also seen him put together stretches of quality defensive play at the shortstop position. They have been marked by levels of inconsistency as well. But if you are talking that it's going to be time potentially to move on from Tim Anderson, you're going to be able to extract more value from him at the shortstop position than at the second base spot. So I would think that in the very near future, like I said, possibly beginning tomorrow, we'll see him back at the shortstop position that he is so accustomed to playing. Yeah. The defense at second base was also a bit of a problem over the past couple of games. I know he wasn't in the lineup today, but the big play on Friday, Steve pickoff attempt to second base, Ball bounces off of Tim Anderson's glove, winds up in center field. A run scores on this botched pickoff. I can't say that I've really seen that happen too many times over the course of watching White Sox baseball or just baseball in general. Um, It looked like a mental mistake to me. It looked very much like a mental mistake, almost of the same ilk of the botched ground balls that have ate Tim Anderson up at shortstop when the infield's in and there's a play at the plate. Um, You know, he he also had another one on Saturday that wound up leading to the game being tied in the top of the ninth inning. We'll get to Saturday's ball game in a minute, but with Tim not in the lineup today at all, the miscues that took place over the weekend for him, it, it seems like it's just more of the same. It's the same funk, and we're having a lot of trouble getting out of it. That's my observation there. It's hard to argue with that. You know, right now, it's very clear that his head simply is not fully in the game uh, the way that we grew accustomed to seeing from him. We, We saw, and I commented so many times on these airwaves about what an instinctual player that he was. And that for a guy that didn't grow up playing the game his entire life, that he seemed to find himself and put himself in the right position with regularity. We're not seeing that anymore. At the end of the day, Tim's got to find a way to get back to being that guy. Whatever he has to do to mentally reset, to refocus and recalibrate, that's going to be a big part of this because I think a lot of this is mental right now. A lot has been made about the leg injury that he sustained earlier on in April up in that series in Minnesota. But the mental aspects, you know, the recent interview that um, was done where 
some of the off the field stuff was talked about at length. You can't tell me that that isn't something that is weighing on him. And, you know, in the moment, yeah, you're probably not thinking about the answers to those questions when Lucas Giolito is making a pickoff attempt to you. But you can't tell me that you are as 100% mentally focused as you normally would be given the giant shitstorm that is just circling around him right now. Yeah, and it's it's going to be so hard to get him out of this funk. You said it earlier this season. The White Sox are only going to go as, as Tim Anderson goes, and they need him to get right. Um, you know, hopefully, maybe post All Star break, after some time off, you see some rejuvenation here. I don't know what the answer is. I don't think anybody really knows what the answer is. But you 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 mentioned a name, the guy who made the pickoff attempt, starter on Friday for the White Sox, Lucas Giolito. He's another interesting topic to talk about here. This was a, a pretty damn good performance from Lucas Giolito. Six innings, only three hits. I know he gives up the three runs, 10 strikeouts, only walks one. I think we like to see that, Steve. We like to see that type of shit. And uh, you had his dad uh, refuting reports of 670 the score on Twitter.com. Um, I believe that was on Friday, right before the start, saying that uh, Lucas Giolito wants to stay here. We've had the reports out earlier this year that uh, the White Sox are moving on from him regardless. Uh, I, I liked the... I liked the performance that we got from Lucas Giolito on Friday. You got any thoughts about uh, how he looked on the mound? He's going out there and he's being the guy that a lot of people expected him to be coming into the season. Um, There was a lot of concern about whether or not he would bounce back from the disappointing season he had in 2022 that really played a significant role in this team underachieving the way that they did. Um, he has really answered a lot of those concerns and he has put himself in a position here to be a very valuable commodity in a couple of weeks here when the trade deadline comes comes around. And I know from spending a couple of days in Cincinnati this weekend watching a young, exciting team that has kind of jumped out of nowhere into first place, the name Lucas Giolito was being talked about in the ballpark in Cincinnati quite frequently with people that uh, I was sitting around. So it's something interesting to keep an eye on here. He is definitely getting the, those trade stonks a lot higher yes. right now. Yes. I would say that his trade stonks are probably the highest of the starting rotation at the moment. Um, that's just my guess. I mean, he's sitting right now um, five and five, 3.41 ERA. The, uh, the advanced stats look pretty good for Lucas Giolito this season comparative to uh you know what we've seen in some prior seasons it, it hasn't replicated his dominating his top season but he's he's pitching respectably at basically the top of this rotation Steve I go back to our uh preseason preview show of this this White Sox season and I believe I had him pegged as as the guy the Cy Young and I believe that uh, Sean Roberts also had him pegged uh for that as well and I think so far this season, he's probably put himself as your number one guy. Would you agree? I would absolutely agree with that. And one other important statistic, I th- I think I saw that he's top five in the league in terms of innings pitched among starters this season. That's very important, especially, again, you know, you look at some of the teams that are out there in the playoff mix here. Young teams like Cincinnati, like Baltimore. 
teams that need starting pitching. They're not just going to need quality starting pitching, but they're going to need length. And he's going at them. He's providing that with consistency. So that is the type of thing that is going to make him that much more valuable in a couple of weeks. I think we all have just kind of come to the realization that his time at the corner of 35th and Shields is coming to an end here in short order. Um, the This thing is off the tracks. I, I think it's pretty clear to anybody really watching this at this juncture. Um, we know that he's going to want to sign for more than $75 million this winter, unless he's willing to take a one-year qualifying offer. I just can't envision a scenario where Lucas Giolito is wearing a White Sox uniform next year. And for this organization, for all the missteps that they have taken to get us here to where we are right now, it really is in their best interest to capitalize on the peak value of this commodity that is Lucas Giolito, unfortunately. Yeah, and I'm 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 sort of just in awe that we're at the end of the Lucas Giolito road here. Um, there's been so many ups and so many downs. I mean, we, we said this as this being our 500th episode, there's been a lot of ups, there's been a lot of downs. He's been a roller coaster to watch each and every season. But uh, at the end of the day, I think he's, he's been a solid piece to this team um, in, in some stretches here. And he's, he's really done a good job of, of keeping the White Sox in a lot of ball games. Uh, man, Fridays sort of hurts. Uh, obviously, uh, that one sort of goes off the rails there a little bit at the end. Sox drop it by a final of three to one. Steve, I want to talk about Saturday's ball game. I know we mentioned the Tim Anderson play already, but let's talk about solo shots. There was a lot of solo shots in this baseball game, Steven, and you're a big fan of the multi-home run strategy. I don't know if uh, they're as meaningful or impactful without uh, runners on base. However, uh, you got some solo shots in this ball game. Uh, Yasmani Grandal leaving the yard. Uh, Jake Berger leaving the yard. I believe Andrew Vaughn left the yard. Uh, it, it was solo shot city all over the place. Uh, you also had uh, a Luis Robert Jr. home run. We're going to talk a lot about him in the back half of the show as we talk about today's ball game. But Steve, the solo shots were on full display. You had four of them in uh, Saturday's ball game. Let's hear your thoughts on this. My thoughts are this solo shots. That sounds like a pretty tough scene at a college bar on a Friday night. You will love to see more guys on base for this team. We saw firsthand that game in Los Angeles a couple weeks ago against the Divers. Four solo home runs. You got a 4 nothing lead, and poof, like that. Chris Taylor with the bases loaded because the Dodgers don't just rely on solo home runs. They actually have guys with an approach and with a plan that will take a walk. Next thing you know, one swing of the bat, boom, game is tied. But no, 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 not our White Sox. No. For them, it's solo home runs or nothing at all because that's just what they do. Hey, I mean, Frank Manichino would have had him just, you know, saying, fuck the home run altogether, let's hit singles. The team was getting on base last year. Nobody was driving him in. 
Polar opposite this year, Steve, just solo shots. That's all the offense can muster. Uh, you get four of them, and then, you know, we get towards the end of this ball game, and uh, you've got your one-run lead, and uh, you, we've already gone over this whole Tim Anderson play, go to the bottom of the ninth, and I believe it was my boy who was able to uh, reach base, Mr. Uh, Gavin Sheets, and uh, he was pinch run for. Uh, I believe that was Remillard who came in to the ball game for him, and uh, it was Elvis Andrews who is able to get a base knock. And this, I mean, it felt like a foreign concept for them to hit a bloop single to score a runner. Out of all of the plays of this game, I know this one ends up winning it for them, but it just felt exciting for me to watch a different type of play. It wasn't a solo home run. I know I love fireworks and we had plenty of them on Saturday. It felt nice for them to be able to execute on something. I know Elvis hasn't had the greatest of seasons, We've talked a little bit about this, but it was just nice to see somebody come through in a in a big spot and get the job done for them to win this one. Although they shouldn't have been in this position anyway. I'll take the win. You'll absolutely take the win. Um, situational hitting. That's kind of what it comes down to in that particular spot with Elvis Andrus right there. Um, Sal, I can't imagine the White Sox hitting a grand slam. That's a foreign concept to me. I I mean, having three runners on base, <laughs> it's unheard of. I think the last time that happened was uh when they do when they do get three runners on base. It usually ends tragically. Yes, it, it does. So we've been, you know, just trying to avoid that whole thing altogether. I don't think it's happened year. since that series against uh Tampa and, and that ninth inning comeback on Sunday. Yeah, and I, I don't even think they needed all of those runs at that point to get the job done, which is whatever. We'll take our grand slams. But, yes, I think that is the last time. And I think – was that our only one this season? Actually, no. Jake, Jake Berger hit the walk-off grand slam against Detroit a couple of weeks ago that I was at. I, I, it slipped my mind. Okay, so we've done it twice. Oh, yeah, a couple two-tree times. couple yeah. two-tree. Yeah, we could use a couple two-tree more in yeah. the coming weeks here. I, I that would be fun. Them. It, it would be fun to talk about on the show. The I'm slam. once again asking the White Sox to deploy the multi-run homer strategy. Yes, we we've, we we need it. We need it here. Steve, we'll, we'll take this win here. What did you think with uh, with Lance Lynn making the start in this ballgame? He's coming off of one of his best career performances, um, but uh, he, he was uh, looking pretty okay in my opinion. What are your thoughts here? Five and two thirds strikes out another seven hitters. It wasn't the 16 that he did about a week ago. Only walks one. The control looks like it's sort of back a little bit here for Lance Lynn, a little reinventing of himself as this has been going on. I, these are things we like to see, right? Yeah. We're seeing some positive things from Lance. He obviously, he did give up the, uh, the two run Homer, um, you know, and there's the famous still shot of him. That's making its way around Twitter.com where he's just essentially looking at like, oh, fuck, you know, but um, this is a couple outings in a row where he's he's done the job against some quality offenses and, and some quality competition here. So something nice for him to build on if he can continue to do that here between now and uh, the end of July. Who knows? Maybe maybe you can get a, a middle reliever. For him 
from from somebody down the road here so that you don't have to spend $10 million in free agency, Rick Hahn. Hmm. So you're on the uh, trade Lance Lynn train too here. I didn't know that you just want to burn this entire pitching staff to the ground. Um, Look, what's what what purpose does what purpose does any of it serve? What purpose does any of it serve? I, I don't know who you're watching start these ball games. I really don't want to tune in to watch I mean, Tanner Banks open ball games, which is what we did today. Listen, whoa, our guy, friend of the show, Matt Crawford, is not going to be very happy to hear you besmirch the name of Tanner Banks. He did his job. He did his job, but it, it's just not as exciting, Stephen. It's not as exciting to tune in to a ball game when, when your team has four starting pitchers that are healthy and you're relying on bullpen stuff to get you through two and uh, two thirds to open up a ball game here. Sox were able to get the job done though. Four to one winner. Um, man, the multi home run straight or the multi run home run strategy was deployed today. It was deployed today. And uh, I think the, uh, the ladies and gentlemen who tune into this show, <laughs> they want it, Steve. They want it. Uh, let, let everybody know who got the job done today for the Chicago White Sox. You think I should give it to him? I think I think you should. I think you really should. I know Sales here, and he he's dying for it. Well, not only did he deploy the multi-home run strategy, but the multi-run homer strategy was deployed by none other than Mr. Luis Yeah, there it is. We could not do the 500th episode of this show without that. And I'm, I'm really thankful that Luis Robert Jr. Hit the, uh, hit the home runs for you today. There it is. We got sale in there. He loves it. He's, he's given the ours out there too. I, I was so impressed with not only the R role, but Luis Roberts performance out there today, Steve, um, he just looks like an absolute monster right now. I know he's hot cold. He's been hot cold this season. There's been times where you want to punt this guy into the sun because he's not running hard. There's times where, you know, he's just going through slumps and swinging at sliders in the dirt. And then there's games like today where you see the real superstar potential out of Luis Robert Jr. And man, if we could just even this out with a little bit of consistency, Steve, um, this would be nice. He's outside of Jake Berger. Well, he's taken over the top spot in OPS on this team. 885 after uh, today's ball game. Steve, he's, he's climbing that up there a little bit, but that's what we like to see in the middle of our order. Luis Robert Jr. is playing like the superstar over the last couple of weeks that we all expected him to be. I know of some person, I'm not going to name any names, who might have said that he thought Luis Robert Jr. Well, actually, he was just Luis Robert at the time last season. Said individual thought Luis Robert was going to finish in the top three in the American League MVP voting a season ago. We're starting to see that type of performance here. You look at where he's at right now, 21 homers, 20 doubles. He's on pace for 40 homers, 40 doubles, and gold glove caliber defense. That is MVP-type shit right there now if we can as you mentioned there 
Couple that with some consistency. Maybe find a way to shorten the cold stretches that he can be prone to because of his aggressiveness. Then this thing is just going to be insane. I mean, to think about this, you know, if you have a center fielder playing the type of defense he does, hitting 40 homers and 40 doubles, that's fucking wild. We need to figure out a way to build around this. We need to. And that's that's sort of the problem here, Steve, when we talk about burning some of this stuff down. For me, I I, I saw some crazy stuff out there about... So, so for the record, you're not trading him for Jaron Duran. I'm not. I'm not. I saw some stuff out there on the interwebs about Luis Robert Jr. going to, you know... Boston. Um, but I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't like those, those thoughts here. Like not at all. I, I think that out of, yeah, get rebuild 3.0. Thanks. So um, I just don't think that trading Luis Robert Jr. is in the best interest of the Chicago White Sox at this very moment. Can we agree on that? Or do you think that there's, you know, everybody's available. I'm, I'm curious for your, for your thoughts here. Look, I mean, that's that's the type of guy that you should absolutely build around. The biggest issue at the end of the day is going to come down to the competency of the people doing the building. I think neither one of you us thought they were building around them already. I mean, that's that's sort of where I'm at. Like you've you've got these assets, <laughs> like a Luis Robert Jr. You know, uh, you know, and 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 it's funny. So so let me give this a, l- a little bit of context here. So for those of you listening. Who, who maybe weren't up to speed on things. I was in Cincinnati this weekend watching some big boy baseball between the National League best Atlanta Barbs and the Cincinnati Reds, who coming into Friday were on an 11-game winning streak and had vaulted themselves into first place. You know, being just a neutral observer to this, it was fascinating to me to, to look at things. And you look at the Reds team that's kind of coming out of nowhere. You have all the excitement with Ellie De La Cruz hitting for the first cycle for the Reds since Eric Davis in 1989. The buzz in that ballpark on Friday was palpable. It was very similar to what kind of the vibe we had during the 2020 season. I know we weren't able to be in the ballpark, but then even the first half of 2021, you get in there and there's just an excitement because you feel like you're building towards something here. You feel like you've got a young group of guys. And Luis Robert was at the center of all of that coming up, you know, for the start of the 2020 season. And then thinking that he was going to take off to that next level in 2021. But the buzz in that park in Cincinnati was palpable. And even that first inning, the Braves go out there, they put a five spot on them right away and that could have just sucked the wind out of that place right there but collectively the reds fans and they really kept this mindset the entire weekend even though they lost the last two games were like okay that's all right we're just going to keep chipping away we're going to keep chipping away get one here two there and they did that they came back and they put one on the braves friday night coming back to win that game and even the last two nights here even though they lost these games the braves would get out to three four run leads and the Reds would just keep coming back. They wouldn't stop. 
Remember what we used to say in 2020, Ricky's boys don't quit. Remember, you think about 2021, guys like Brian Goodwin and even Billy Hamilton when he hit a couple of home runs and just the good vibes that were in the ballpark in the first half in 2021. That's kind of what it felt like in Cincinnati this weekend. And then you contrast that with on the opposite side of the field, the Atlanta Braves, the best team in the National League right now. Won a World Series two years ago. They're going to win their fifth straight division title this season. This is what we thought the Sox were going to be. That continual pipeline of talent. Isn't that what Rick Hahn said that the goal was? He did say that. Sustained success. Yes. The Braves are what we were promised. A group of young, athletic, homegrown superstars. Ronald Acuna Jr., Ozzy Albies, Austin Riley, you know, um, and then and then you look at some of the guys on the pitching side, Spencer Strider and, and everybody else, and then going and taking minor league assets to go plug holes and get other superstars. And Matt Olson, who now leads the major leagues in home runs, Sean Murphy, you go out, you sign, you, you make a savvy signing with Austin Darnell. This is what we were sold. And I got to witness it firsthand. And they watching even, those two they teams even let one of their stars basically walk. As well, and still continue. They let they let two of their of their core pieces of a World Series championship team, a franchise icon, Freddie Freeman. Mm -hmm. They let him walk out the door, and then the next year they let their starting shortstop Dansby Swanson walk out the door, and they haven't missed a fucking beat because they are one of the smartest three organizations in the sport for my money. That is what we were sold. And to watch those two teams colliding at each other, the baseball, those two days in Cincinnati there, it was like a different sport from what I've been watching all year. And then you think about the vibe in the ballpark. It's been a fucking morgue at 35th and Shields for almost a a full calendar year now. That place was jumping in Cincinnati this weekend. And God damn it, do I fucking miss it. Reds fan Steve checking in here. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it it's sad, man. It, it is sad to think about. We know this, Sal. We've, we've, we've been here for a long time. The Sox are an unserious organization. It's throwing more comments in there. Sal, you're, you're killing it on the comments today, man. Keep them coming. Uh, Steve, I mean, I remember being there for Yohan Moncada, the phenom. You know, his his first walk. I remember being there, uh, you know, just seeing Michael Kopech come up. You talk about these guys that the Braves have. And it should have been the same thing. It should have been Jose Abreu leaves the organization. It continues on. You've got this path to success with Andrew Vaughn. You've written about some of his struggles. I think he's picked it up a little bit. I think maybe you sort of might have fixed him a little bit give you some 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 pats on the back for that one uh but the overall just the overall feeling around this is when we talk about is Luis Robert tradable for this White Sox team the, this front office couldn't build around Chris Sale Jose Abreu they couldn't build around Tim Anderson Luis Robert they couldn't they've been unable to build around these things and the track record does not tell me 
that if you go and sell off Lucas Giolito, Lance Lynn, Tim Anderson, I don't know what you can even fucking get for Yoan Moncada. Um, if you if you try and fire sale all this, what are you even bringing back? And is there going to even be that hope that you had back in 2017, 2018, that you're building towards something again? Or does it remain a morgue? Does it remain a morgue because there's zero trust left with this front office? Well, as the saying goes, Anthony, <laughs> the beatings will continue until morale improves. Mm -hmm. For my money, Rick Hahn, Ken Williams, they cannot be allowed to trade an asset like Luis Robert, like Dylan Cease. If they if the organization decided that they were going to pivot and they were going to just rip this thing down again, those clowns cannot be the ones making the decisions. If you want to allow them to move the players on the expiring deals like Lucas Giolito, you know, Yasmani Grandal, some team wants to take a flyer on him, the relievers. Personally, I don't even trust them to do that, but – that's a lot more palatable than allowing them to make decisions on franchise-altering players like Luis Robert Jr., like Dylan Cease. So those are guys that a serious organization would be building around. Luis Robert is showing the superstar that we all thought he was going to be in 2017 when he signed out of Cuba. We're seeing it finally. This is a 25-year-old center should they Should they be buyers then, Steve? Should they, should they just fucking say, fuck it, let's try and salvage this? The division this, is terrible. This group making the decisions, no. You've said it before. Everybody in the minor leagues, it's, it's, it's a crap farm system. Can you, can you just like – really blame them if they wanted to move a couple of prospecty types out there like a if, Tim Elko or you know just something weird if you can get something from somebody I mean I, I don't know as, as as you said a serious organization would be trying to build around these guys I, like I don't even know where to go from here you talk about the excitement the there's only of, of looking I, 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 at your building towards something yeah. that's that's where I'm trying to get to and and rationalize there, there's really like it feels like there's no fucking good outcome here. There's only <laughs> no one way. There's only one way, and it is not a plausible one, unfortunately, because we know what organization we root for. The only path that could reasonably lead to a desired outcome is you get rid of the three idiots in the front office. You start fresh this winter. And you bring in somebody from a smart organization. You find a top assistant from the Barbs, from the Rays, from the Dodgers. And you say, you have carte blanche to make the decisions here. This organization is in the Stone Age. What needs to happen to get caught up and continue to build upon that? But we know... He who shall remain nameless simply is not 
forward thinking enough to do that because he just wants a bunch of yes men who are going to tell him the things that he wants to hear because he thinks it's the same game that it was when he acquired the team Our guy in Matt 1981. Here. Our guy Matt Brickland, don't go to Kansas City for any of this stuff. And that, they've tried to go to Kansas City now, and that we've seen how that's worked out. So <laughs> I like that comment. But the White Sox are the Amish of the MLB. Yeah, but Anthony, they, this, that, that is the only way. You you scrub this thing. You bring in smart people from smart organizations who tell he who shall remain nameless things he doesn't want to hear, and then you let that person build around Luis Robert Jr. Okay, so you've already said that this is not going to happen. Let's. let's that's the only path. That's the only path. Okay. Any that's other fair. Path, any other path that is chosen is not is essentially, in my opinion going to lead to an outcome of a wasted decade. And I know that's a painting a very bleak picture, but that's just legitimately how I feel. Okay. So we've established this. They need to, they need to clean the front office. I think most White Sox fans who are tuned in to this team every day have some sort of agreement that this is, that they should not, proceed with rebuild 3.0 with the same folks who brought you rebuild 1.0 and rebuild 2.0. I go back to the conversations that you and I have had about them not moving on from Rick Hahn, Kenny Williams. These guys are going to be the ones who are there. So if they're tuned in and listening to this, how did they get out of this situation? What is the most likely outcome going to be? They have shown they are not capable of getting out of this situation. They've made this mess twice, and they have failed to clean it up both times. They put a, li a little, you know, store brand paper towel over the spill in 2020 and the first half of 2021 but the mess was still underneath it. They never cleaned that up. Did they pick up the paper towel at least? Or is that still on the floor? I mean, it seems like it's still there if we're being honest with ourselves. All right. Well, it's probably sopping wet and uh, gross and nobody wants to touch it. Um, it's a tough spot. It's a, it's, a, it's a tough spot to be in. As a White Sox fan, I, I would just like to get back to that that hope. And that's why I asked you the question. Why, or not why, what what does trading away any of these guys even do for you at this deadline when you recoup whatever it is for Lucas Gilito, when you recoup whatever it is for, a, for a Lance Lynn or any of these guys? Is there going to be any excitement here? I don't think so. I don't think there's going to be excitement over these deals, and I don't think you're going to get anything back that's going to come up in here in 2024 or 2025 that people are going to go open up their wallets, swipe the credit card, and go to the ballpark and be like, I'm excited to see this guy. Where does that come from again? Where do you wind up with that? You don't trust them in the draft. You don't trust him to make trades to acquire anybody. 
Okay. I'll, I'll give you a, a when recent, are we going to be excited again? Okay. I'll give you a, I'll give you a recent example. And this is, I guess, all you can really hope for in this situation. You think back to 2021 when the Minnesota twins, who everybody knows I hate with every fiber of my being, they were snake bitten by the injury bug coming off of consecutive playoff appearances and they shit down their leg in the first half and they traded White Sox nemesis Nelson Cruz to the Tampa Bay Rays for a collection of three players. One such player started making an immediate impact for that team last season and has continued to do so this year by the name of Joe Ryan. So when you talk about moving guys like Lucas Giolito, we know that this organization is not savvy enough to go for lower level minor league talent. They are going to be looking for guys in double A and triple A that theoretically could be here by 2024, because that's just simply how short-sighted they are when it comes to their baseball operations. So they're going to find some team out there, maybe the Baltimore Orioles, you know, they need, they need a starter. They need one bad. Got a very strong farm system. You know that the Sox are probably sending their scouts out there to watch them and saying, who's a position player that we can get for Lucas Giolito that can come in and be on this team by Memorial Day 2024? You know that's the mindset because that's just how they operate, and that's all you can really hope for at this point. Am I going to be excited to see this acquisition, Steve, or am I going to be skeptical? We're all going to be skeptical because we've seen this thing fail more yeah. than we have seen it succeed. That's, that's sales back in here in the comments again. They sold you hope before, Tony. Yes, Al, they've sold me hope before. They've sold all of us hope. And now I don't I don't have you know any reason to believe so that Anthony, the, would would you go as far as to say that right now you are in the in the position similar to Slipknot's 2008 masterpiece entitled All Hope Is Gone? No, I wouldn't say all hope is gone because you still have pieces like Luis Robert Jr. You still have pieces that are out there. Uh, you're locked in with Andrew Benintendi, who I think can, you know, at least be a top of the order bat. Um, Fucking noodle boy. Maybe maybe not on a competitive team. Maybe he's hitting seventh elsewhere. I don't know. But the Yankees were able to use him. I, I, there's pieces here. There's pieces to the puzzle. But – the math doesn't add up. I, 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 I want us to have that same buzz. You know, I want, I want buzz. Speaking of buzz, I want buzz to be at the ballpark more. And the guy doesn't even want to go to a fucking White Sox game because they're dog shit. So when you can start getting buzz back to the ballpark because it's exciting, that's how you know you've got a product that people want to watch. I'll take it a step further, Anthony. Think about this. I chose to get on a plane and go to Cincinnati, Ohio to watch real competitive baseball instead of staying home and watching the Sox and the Ginger Sox this weekend. Yeah, that was a, that was an interesting choice that you made. It was a um, choice, and I'm going to be honest with you, I would make that choice again right now given the variables. Yeah, I'm sure you would. 
I'm sure you would. I'm sure a lot of people would if uh, if they could if they could make that choice to go watch. You know, as a diehard baseball, you made the choice to go watch competitive, good baseball this weekend instead of watching AL Central clown show baseball. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that there was some part of your decision that was swayed by not wanting to give Jerry Reinsdorf any more of your hard-earned dollar. But this is where I'm going to just dial it down a little bit, Steve. You're a, you're a diehard baseball fan. Diehard baseball fan. That's, that's why you've been on this show, you know, close to 400 times or so uh, with me on here. I think we've both probably eclipsed the 350 mark um, as we're sitting here on episode 500. But you got to get to the point where, like, the casual fan is back in your stadium and excited to go watch your team play baseball. You and I will seek out baseball in whatever form we can get. I, I want that point where we have to – it, it sounds stupid. I want to get back to that point where it's like you want the bandwagon fans to even come back and be rooting for your team. Do you remember when it was like that changeover after the Cubs had won the World Series and the Sox were on the rise and you started just seeing Sox gear everywhere? You felt proud to be a Sox fan. Now it's like you walk out, <laughs> you got your Sox cap on or you're in a sock shirt, you're at the grocery store pumping gas or whatever, people probably look at you and they're like, I'm fucking like, sorry for this individual. That's not a good feeling. What I want to get back to is I want to get back to being excited when I get out of bed in the morning because I know I get to go to the ballpark and watch good White Sox baseball. That's what I want to get back to. I want to get back to getting on an airplane and going to watch the White Sox beat somebody's fucking ass. I want to get in my car at 5 o'clock in the morning and drive five hours to watch them celebrate and piss on a division rival's home field. That's what I want to get back to. I don't like being in this position right now. I fucking You're not hate too it. far removed. You're not too – there's a sad part. You're not too far removed – from them winning this division and looking like a good baseball team. It's just you talked very... about some of the dead cat bounce stuff earlier um, when you brought up Minnesota. And I know you, you had written something um, earlier this year about the, uh, the White Sox potentially needing to take advantage of that. And they've largely failed to do so. I, I just, there's not enough information coming from Rick Hahn, the front office, anyone involved in this as to what the plan is right now for this team because they don't have a plan they've never had that's the fucking problem there's no plan they're not telling you what's going on they're not coming out there and saying we've underperformed here's how we're gonna fix it like if if we were getting those answers instead of constant injury updates constant you know we just got to put it together whatever it's it's not even accountability it's just forthcoming with information. I'm fine if Rick Hunt comes out there and says, we don't know. We're taking a look at everything. We're going to fix this. It sales back here again with another comment. There's no plan because they think everything's fine. That's, that is the problem. That is the problem. They think this is fine. They think everything's going to get back to normal. Steve, I might be more negative than you right now. Fuck that. That's not an answer. It's not an answer. It's never going to be one. Something has to change. You want to talk craziness 
and, and we talk a lot about sure. accountability we, we craziness here and and you know despite what there's no accountability issue within the white Sox organization i can assure you if if i took my shades off you could see the shock in my eyes when anyone accuses there of being an accountability issue in the white Sox organization the boston red sox in 2018 won the world series one of the most dominant teams of the last 50 years not even a year later they fired dave dombrowski the guy who put that team together not even a year after they had a fucking parade and hung a banner these clowns have been running this fucking circus for over two decades and here we are nothing has changed that's the problem there is no plan because they still think it's 2000 and what worked then is going to work now it doesn't work like that we've seen it firsthand the mood around this organization this fan base i've talked about this a lot on twitter.com is the worst i can remember in any of my all or part of five different decades watching this team and i go go back to this the mood in that ballpark in cincinnati this weekend was fucking excitement we got ellie de la cruz here flying around the bases doing exciting shit left and right spencer steers hitting dingers left and right joey Votto, the the grizzled veteran is coming back hitting dingers that's what we want i i just i don't know how we get it with these three fucking morons steering the ship it's a it's a rough spot steve it it's rough. Do you think by episode 1000, we'll have a World Series to talk about? You want my or at least a playoff series victory? You, like you maybe want, I'll lower you, the bar just a little bit. You want my honest opinion? <laughs> yeah, sure. No, I don't. So we're gonna do another 500 of these these TED talks, and I have no confidence in the state of this organization right now. I, I, tr I truly don't. And I've, I've said it, you know, some people can take it as tongue in cheek, but until the cancer is removed, it will continue to spread. And you know what I'm talking about. <sighs> You've got a very optimistic look on life here as a White Sox fan, Steve. I, I truly appreciate it. Um, yeah. I think we need to move on to something else before I like just lose it, you know, just absolutely lose it. And everything that is being a White Sox fan right now, Steve, you got any other final thoughts as we uh, ride on out into the, uh, the sunset on episode 500 of socks on tap. Thank you to everybody who's tuned in so far in the comments, whether you're commenting or not, Appreciate you being here. Thank you for uh, listening to us talk White Sox baseball for, you know, almost close to, what is it, probably like over 500 hours now as well, Steve. It's, it's pretty amazing. We made it to 500 before the White Sox did. Um, yeah, 
and uh, that's where red you got you got some final thoughts here and then we'll uh, we'll get over to uh you know what's on tap for the Chicago White Sox uh next this week my final thoughts are at least we have Luis Robert Jr. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's something. Like, that's it's something. I want I want them to like see him win a World Series, like <laughs> with this team. We've had too many stars come through here and and not be able to accomplish that. Steve, we are off to the West Coast. Your favorite type of of game because it's nice and late for you. And, uh, you know, all of us here at Sox on Tap, we've got some some 9 o'clock baseball start times. It's going to be a, a long, long week. Um, just some programming notes. Um, it, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a little bit difficult to get some shows out this week. I'm going to be down in Nashville doing some stuff for Four Feathers Podcast as the Chicago Blackhawks are uh, doing exactly the opposite of the Chicago White Sox and bringing Connor. some – Badard. Yes, bringing. I, I like to call it hope. Um, I like to call it hope, a, a thing that's going to be back to a Chicago sports organization for the first time in what feels like a while. So I'll be down in Nashville. Uh, so you probably won't hear me on these airwaves, uh, but we will probably have a show tomorrow night as the uh, White Sox head out west. Stephen, uh, why don't you let the uh, listeners know what's in store for the White Sox? over the next couple of days and who we've got taking them out. Well, tomorrow we've got Dylan Cease going on the mound against the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim of Orange County of California, the Pacific time zone. You know, the Angels did Angels things over the weekend. Yes, they they did. They go to Colorado. They lose two out of three to a piss poor Rockies team. But at that middle game of that series, you drop 25 runs. 23 of them in the first four innings. Classic fashion. By the fourth inning, every single player on that starting lineup had at least one RBI. And then they come out and they lay an egg today, just doing what the Angels do. And uh, you're going to get to see Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. Hopefully the Sox can find a way to tame Otani is he has really been a White Sox killer since coming into the league. Um, I believe, according to the stats, he's hit more home runs against them than any other team that he's faced, which is amazing considering he uh they don't play season. very uh, yeah, that tells you a lot. It's not, it's not great. That tells you a lot. So Dylan's gonna have to go out there, gonna have to be very fine with his command. Um but look, even when you hit your spots with a guy like Shohei Otani, he can do damage to you. You know, there was the uh, – I'm, I'm sure everybody saw the tweet from Codify over the weekend and from, from John Boy of, um, you know, Kyle McFarland or um, or Kyle Freeland, the, the pitcher on, on the Rockies, throwing a pitch three, four inches off the inside of the plate. Otani just pulling his hands in and launching one. And as he's turning around, Freeland is saying, how the fuck did he hit that? <laughs> That's yeah. how special he is. Yeah, he is a very, very good baseball player. I'd venture as to say he's probably going to wind up in the Hall of Fame. That's just a, you know, a, a bold take that I've got here. I don't know if it'll come true or not, but I, I would think that he's got some Hall of Fame type stuff. Sox are going to have a tough task ahead of them, Stephen. Uh, you got to pick the click for tomorrow's ball game. Yeah, so got Reed Detmers, lefty 
on the mound. I think I think Andrew Vaughn. He's gonna he's gonna find the seats again against a left-handed starter. Just he likes sitting out there in California too. Yeah, yeah, he, he does. He does, he does like doing that, and he's just going to show people what it's like to have a uh, first baseman with a slugging percentage that starts with the four. Hey, there you go. Uh, Steve, I'm going to go with uh, – hmm. Maybe I'll take Luis Robert Jr. I think that uh, the, the hitting will continue here. So I'm going to go Luis Robert Jr. Uh, as my pick to click for tomorrow's baseball game. We'll be back with more Sox on tap post game shows this week. Might have a, a bit of a midweek interruption as uh, Connor Bedard takes over Chicago. But uh, other than that, Stephen, it's a pleasure to uh, talk some White Sox baseball with you on this 500th episode Sunday fun day. Make sure you're following Steve at NWI underscore Steve, myself at Tony on tap. Follow the show at Sox on tap. You can find us on YouTube. That's youtube.com slash on tap sports net. Subscribe. Turn on notifications so you know when we go live and hop in the comments like our guy Sale did today. Steve, I'd like to win another series. That's my final thought on the day. I'd like to win another series here out in LA. I would like that too, Anthony. Some some late night wins would do some wonders for for some some morale, I think. Yeah. It but certainly would. Five hundred episodes though, Anthony. Yes. In the books. Hey, cheers to that, Steve. I know you don't uh, have a beer with you, um, but I had uh, a protein you, shake earlier. You got a, yeah, you got a protein <laughs> shake. Yeah, you're you're looking pretty swole today, um, as as Sal had commented <laughs> earlier on uh, on the stream here. Uh, uh, Five hundred episodes. It's been a blast. It's it's always a pleasure talking White Sox baseball. I know we're probably sick in the head um, for doing this as often as we do, but uh, Steve. Thank you um, for being part of this ride um, for as long as you have been and everybody else who's contributed on this show. Um, it's been really fun. And uh, like you said earlier, there's ups, there's downs, but we're here to uh, talk with everybody and uh, just bring our perspectives on what's happening in White Sox baseball. And uh, it's been uh, it's been an excellent 500. I can't wait to uh, hit that thousand mark that we talked about earlier. They'll be here before you know it. Yeah, I know. I'm surprised we were already at 500. That's all we've got for today. Thanks for tuning in. Steve, close it down how we always do. White Sox forever. White Sox for life.